Welcome everyone to the Korea Herald Books Podcast. We're your hosts, Beth and Naomi. We are copy editors at the Korea Herald. For regular listeners of the Korea Herald Podcast, this is a special episode in which we have an in-depth conversation about works of Korean literature that have been translated into English. We will provide all the details about the works we discuss here in the show notes. Today we have a very special guest. Soje is a Korean to English translator um, with roots in Seoul and the U.S. Um, and Soje goes by the pronouns they and them. They have translated Yi Soho's Cat Calling, Che Jinyoung's To the Warm Horizon, and Yi Hemi's Unexpected Vanilla, which I have right here. Um, they also make Chogwa, a quarterly easing featuring one Korean poem and multiple English translations. Welcome to the Korea Herald podcast studio, Soja. How have you been doing? Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I've been keeping busy translating and writing. And yeah, I saw your um, Bora Chang episode and I'm like now scared of talking with my hands because of the thumbnail. <laughs> so I'll be, yeah. <laughs> well, it's really good to have you here and thank you for taking the time. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about um, your story and how you got to become a translator and got to translating um, poetry. I was an English major um, and I happened to meet sort of a legendary visiting professor of Korean literature at Cal, um, UC Berkeley, and uh, he taught all of his classes in Korean and all of the readings and um, writing assignments were also in Korean. <coughs> And it really motivated me to immerse myself in Korean literature. And I just fell in love with contemporary Korean literature that challenged my notion of what Korea is, what Koreanness means um, for me as a Korean American. And I ended up writing. Um, a thesis. Well, I actually wrote two theses <laughs> on the novelist Oh Jung-hee, and I found myself translating her work, the primary text, as well as secondary text for my research. Um, the normal thing to do would have been to just um, research and write about something that was already in English. But <laughs> the, the work felt really vital to me at the time for whatever reason, and it's um, led me to this path of becoming a full-time literary translator. That's really cool. And uh, we, I just want to mention for our very first episode, we actually um, discussed one of Oh Jung-hee's works, Wayfarer, oh, wow. Yeah, she was in an anthology and we really both enjoyed it. And we thought it was a really powerful story. So yeah, it's really cool that you, yeah. you know, focused a lot on her work as part of your research. Yeah. yeah. I've been actually translating myself <laughs> for a few years now uh, for a Korean contemporary literature magazine. And um, I thought we could dive a little into your own process for when you translate. Though, of course, I know every text is different. Um, what do you think is the most challenging aspect of translating Korean to English? There's this really great Twitter thread by uh, Emily Wilson, who's the um, English translator of the um, Odyssey. And she, she said something about how one language makes distinct distinctions where another does not. And 
one of the examples would be like something like gender pronouns in English and Korean because English is very is a bit very binary language in terms of gender, uh, whereas Korean um, oftentimes you know the subject can be dropped and there are no personal pronouns necessarily and. So oftentimes when you're translating, say, a poem, um, it, the <laughs> specific nouns are not um, possessed by a gender subject, but then in translation, sometimes you have to say, like, his eyes or, you know, her eyes, and you sort of have to make that distinction. And oftentimes people make, people as in translators, make assumptions based on, you know, who the author is. So if this if the poet is a woman, uh, then they use you know she, her, uh, she her pronouns for the speaker of the poet piece um, speaker of the poem and the addressee may be if it's a love poem the addressee may be rendered male. But I think with um, younger translators now who are queer, um, they're more aware of the possibilities that lie in the poem itself. So, um, yeah, I think gender in translation is uh, something that many translators are grappling with. Um, Another um, challenge of doing Korean to English, specifically in relation to poetry, is uh, lineation. So how how each poem how each line ends and starts. And because Korean is a subject-object-verb language versus English, which is subject-verb-object, oftentimes uh, the verb can act as an element of surprise. Um, And when you bring that element of surprise earlier into the sentence, while translating into English, like it can kind of ruin the uh, poetic effect. So um, there are ways to sort of delay the um, entrance of the verb, but um, it might not sound as natural. So, you know, you're always sort of weighing, oh, does the naturalness of the syntax matter more than the order of the images? And that's, you know, up to each translator. Do you have any examples that you have at the top of your head that you really struggled with? Like, huh? I dedicate each chogwa issue to identifying some of these um, challenges. So, um, you know, if if a title does not have a verb in it, like for example, um, issue eleven. We um, dealt with the poem Donunshi by Jeonche, and Donunshi does not have a verb in it, um, as Korean speakers would know. And but then it has a subject and an object. So, you know, how do translators make a <laughs> make a title when there's no verb to connect the two things? Um, so yeah, like we sort of there are different approaches to that, and you can read issue eleven <laughs> to um, see all of the different. Um, there are twenty two translations, so you can see twenty two attempts at sort of bridging that gap. Yeah, I have to say, I think 
translating poetry must be one of the most challenging things because it's not just about the literal meaning, but it's also about the rhythm and the tone and the and the overall feeling that yeah. you're trying to convey, right? Um, I mean, same for prose as well, but I think with poetry, it's like very sparse, so every word or every placement counts. So really admire that you <laughs> take that on as like your um, main work. Um, because yeah. I, yeah, because I think you do mostly poetry. Right? Yeah, I've yeah. done a novel as well, and I don't have a copy of me right now. But yes, I have done um, fiction. But yeah, I, I, I think because of Choga, I've become sort of this poetry person. <laughs> I, I'm known as a more of a poetry person. But yeah, um, yeah. So in general, do you have any kind of criteria for what kind of works you? choose to translate? Um, is there any general themes or something that connects to works that you have translated so far? My biggest criteria is that I want to be excited by the work itself and I want it to be something that makes me want to like immediately call up a friend and be like oh my god there's this book like can you please like can we please talk about it? And oftentimes, you know, um, when I first moved to Korea, like my friends don't speak Korean or read Korean. So I'm like, well, the only way for me to talk about this book with my friend, with my closest friend, is for me to translate it, <laughs> which is kind of a, an extreme. <laughs> but um, yeah, I want that kind of sense of urgency um, when, I, when I approach the work. Mm-hmm. You've said it in an interview with Asymptote Journal back in August two, 2020 that yeah. um, you translate women writers who write about women for women and the word anni became an organic through line for uh, introducing yeah. the works at once. So um, so even though, you know, I totally understand you go for what excites you, what gives you that initial excitement. Mm -hmm. um, if you were looking back and seeing some of the grander themes, would you say that there's a reason why you're drawn to women writers or... Mm. Uh, women who write for women? I think they're just better. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, women, Korean women writers are doing really exciting work. And I'm interested in works that feel very new to me, right? Um, or works that resonate with things I've read in a new way. And I think, for example, when I read To the Warm Horizon, little um, by Choi Jin Young, I hadn't seen a full-length novel about a lesbian couple in Korean before. And yeah, it became the first um, queer, full-length um, Korean queer novel to be translated into English. So. That's something that I had in mind. And for poetry, it, the poetry collections that I translated as well, um, I hadn't really seen such sensual poetry in Korean before um, Unexpected Vanilla. And with Catcalling, I hadn't seen such um, experimentations with the visual form of poetry. So yeah, I, I've always kind of picked out um, exciting elements <laughs> in mm -hmm. each work. And I think they happen to be women writers um, who uh, defy the male gaze um, in one way or another. 
That's really, really important for us, too. We talk about, about a lot of women writers, uh, Korean women writers in this podcast as well. Because, uh-huh. um, uh, and recently I had a conversation about how um, there's been a lot of international recognition as well of translated Korean works, especially by women writers. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you mentioned To the Warm Horizon, which I recently read on Kindle. It was a very poignant and desolate work because, mm-hmm. yeah, as you mentioned, it, it's, it takes place in this apocalyptic kind of um, situation. Um, I was wondering, what drew you to this work specifically? And, um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about how you first encountered this work? Yeah, um, it was the first novel that I read after moving to Korea in 2017. It felt very fateful for me because I remember very clearly um, lying in my office stall at the time and, like, scrolling through Twitter and there's this wonderful um, Twitter account slash organization called Bujige Chekarpi, uh, Rainbow Bookmark. And it's an archive of queer Korean literature. And they posted about a new release called Hegajinigosuro. And they're like, oh, it's about lesbians in the apocalypse. And I was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> like, seriously, what? And the, um, I ran to the bookstore and I was like, I need. <laughs> to, yeah, like make sure that it exists, that it's real. And I read it and I, it seems so basic now that I was so excited <laughs> by the like, appearance of a lesbian couple. But um, at the time, it was um, very exciting for me. And that is how I came across the book via Twitter. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's really cool. <laughs> Did you literally run? Um, yes, there was some physical exertion involved. Wow. Um, and did you contact Jin Young directly, Che Jin Young, the the author, um, as you were translating? Um, did you have to ask her about any choices you had to make, negotiations when you translated her work? Um, I think I'm one of the more, um, communicative or and or annoying <laughs> translators. I email my poets a lot, but with my with the novels that I translate, um, I, I tend not to have that many questions because all the writing is very, you know, um, lucid and, and, and which isn't to say the poems are, you know, modeled in any way. It's just that um, there are a lot of um, uh, double entendres or sort of, in intentional ambiguities in poetry that you know novels don't necessarily have. So I email poets a lot, not so much novelists, but I do remember um, some of my correspondence with Chejin Young Takonim, which was um, they wear Dory and Gina, the two characters in To the Warm Horizon, wear these hats um, because it's they're in Russia and it's very cold. And I emailed her, like, what kind of hats they were. <laughs> and I'd like, completely forgotten about that conversation. But then um, when we did, an in, like, a recorded interview, I think sometime two years ago um, at the launch, she brought it up again. She was, like, amused by the fact that I had asked, like, is it, like, a knitted hat or is it a wool hat? Because, you know, there was, there was a sort of, like, Soviet-looking mm. hat. <laughs> so I was wondering what kind of hats they would be wearing in the apocalypse. I'm actually interested in how long that process took 
like from beginning to end and how many revisions and oh god (laughs) (laughs) um it depends not on the length of the book but (laughs) how much time i've been allotted by the contract (laughs) yeah everything is part of the (laughs) capitalist (laughs) mode of production so um it really depends on you know the the contract that i've been given by the publisher (laughs) yeah and specifically about to the warm horizon um that was actually the one that took the longest. Um, it was the first ever book that I started translating because, as I told you, like it was the um, first book I read when I got to Korea. Um, so I started in winter of 2017, and it came out um, 2021. But I, but I wasn't translating the whole time. Um, I I feel like I spent maybe like four months translate, you know, like doing the first draft um, when I was a student and like doing other things. And then, you know, I I would revise it time and time again, you know, to like pitch to publishers and yeah. And then like there's a big chunk of time where it's out of my hands, right? The editors are working on it, so. I can imagine it really must be a labor of love and dedication yeah. and sweat and blood <laughs> and tears. Oh, yeah, for sure. All, all of those three. Um, and you have a quarterly easing called Togwa, uh-huh. um, which is taken from the Korean word for excess. Can you tell us a little bit about the origins of the easing and the story behind the name? Many people seem to think that, you know, there's a right way to translate, that there's one right way to translate, which is um, just simply (laughs) and patently untrue. And I wanted wanted to show that that's not the case, right? And I decided to embrace that idea of access in the name itself. And I wanted a space where translators could really play with the poem um, in the space of their translation, as well as a space to deeply engage with each other's work. So I've used various metaphors for this, but like I think of Chogwa as a kind of sandbox <laughs> where people can come to play and like interact. <laughs> And we, I think there's around 16 contributors um, so far for the magazine, and including yourself. Is there a lot of growing interest from other translators in joining, um, and how can translators join it? Okay, I, uh, one thing is, I th- maybe you got that number from uh, the, the people's page on the Choga website, um, but there's actually way more, um, because... That's the list of um, people who have contributed at least twice and wanted to be on the website. Um, For example, issue um, 11 had 22 contributors alone, so there's more than 16. And I set up that page on the website because I wanted to provide an, an incentive for translators to, you know, 
um, return to Chuga and also take pride in the work they do uh, with and also outside of Chuga. So that's uh, probably the list of 16 that you saw. And Chuga is always open. Um, it's not a closed group. So um, yes, we are getting more contributions per issue. And yeah, you can just translate a, a poem and you, you, you would be part of <laughs> the Choga the verse, as we call it. How um, do you decide which poem to focus on in each issue? Vibes. <laughs> I, I just read, um, you know, look through different books in my spare time and I sort of have a very informal catalog um, and I and I just sort of look through them and think oh you know what kinds of different interpretations can come out of this poem and I try to present different challenges for issues so yeah, like there's no exact science to it, um, like truly just running on vibes. Um, but yeah, there is a kind of weird order inside my head. I also really um, enjoy the commentary that you have in comparing and contrasting um, the translations by the contributors and thinking why the translator decided, for example, in your issue 11, mm -hmm. even the title itself, mm -hmm. some of people decide to translate as you poem or mm -hmm. you the poem or you poetry. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really interesting for me to see. Um, I mean, it's interesting to just read the translations, you know, side by side, but it is also really insightful with the commentary. And I really mm. enjoyed that. Thank you. <laughs> um. That keeps me going. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us about the Smoking um, Tigers Collective and how you got to join it. And Yeah, um, so Smoking Tigers, I was not there when it was founded, but I am told that um, many of the people involved um, were in Sora Kim Russell, uh, who's another translator, her translation workshop. Um, and then another group um, met at the British Summer, BCLT, British Center for Literary Translation. I want to say that's the acronym. Um, they have a summer workshop. And um, in the Korean workshop, people, yeah, really, you know, got along and wanted to workshop more translations with each other. So they form the collective now known as Smoking Tigers. And I was, um, like, I'm to this day, I'm confounded as to why I was invited <laughs> at the time. But I was graciously invited by the Anton Her. So <laughs> I, am, I am a member of Smoking Tigers to this day. Actually, Anton Her was, um, his essay was what inspired you to move to Korea to become a literary translator, right? Yeah, it was a huge part um, in me sort of mustering up the courage to make this international move. Um, he has this essay called A Lunar Sorority on Words Without Borders where he talks about 
how he's not the most famous <laughs> trans, uh, most famous queer translator of Korean literature, nor the second most famous. So his whole point is that um, there are so many you know queer translators of Korean literature that you know you can't even rank them. But of course now he's you know decidedly the most famous <laughs> translator of Korean literature, and big congrats to Anton. Um, yeah, so what was the question? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. It was more um, of a comment. It was, a, yeah. um, it was yeah. an observation. Yeah. Yeah. And out of the um, 11 issues of Chogwa so far, it's a hard, difficult question asking you, um, <laughs> but if you could choose, which issue would be your favorite or most memorable? Mm. This is a hard question. Um... I would probably say issue 10 remains a very memorable um, issue because it was the first print issue. And I was really nervous about <laughs> producing a print issue, even though people have been asking for it for the past couple of years, um, because um, printing anything requires money and a lot of planning in advance and again um i i need a lot of uh, friends to sort of <laughs> bully me <laughs> into doing it frankly and um but I'm, I'm really glad that we now have a physical object to remember Chokabai. and it was um it was also our first essay anthology so Chokwa usually deals, it, it you know, exists in a digital format. Um, it deals with one Korean poem and multiple translations. But for issue 10, um, I invited previous contributors of Chokwa, um, whether they be translators or the poets that we've translated, um, as well as readers to just, you know, write. It was a very open um invitation to write about translation or write about translation in relation to Chokwa. Um, and yeah, I hope uh, it's um, the print copies are sold out, but the digital version is still available on our website. So I hope more people check it out. For listeners who are new to Korean literature or poetry, um, are there any favorite authors you would recommend? Oh, um, so my favorite authors are the people that I've translated, Yemi, uh, Isoho, and Chejinyang Um But as for recommending um, other works to read, I think either the Smoking Tigers page or the Choga People page um, is a really great um, starter for exploring Korean literature and translation because it's where all the very cool, <laughs> exciting translators are. And we're seeing more and more adaptations of Korean literature, graphic novels, and webtoons into TV series and films. For example, um, School Nurse Anun Young by Chung Serang, whose mm -hmm. work you have translated. And it, because it's uh, drawing attention you know, to the original works, do you see that there is increasing demand for these translations? Um, and at further adaptations. Yeah, I hope that um, there will be sort of a positive cycle between um, original Korean works and works in adaptation and also translation. I hope they feed into each other and expand 
you know, existing readership and fandoms into something great. And has there been any um, interesting adaptations you've <laughs> watched so far? Um, most recently, my honest answer is that uh, most recently I haven't been, I haven't really had the emotional capacity to re- <laughs> to watch Korean dramas in full. So I've come across this very strange phenomena of um, highly condensed K-dramas on YouTube. So I watched a two-hour <laughs> version of um, Business Proposal, <laughs> and um, it's based on a webtoon, which I haven't read, but I found it very enjoyable. <laughs> no, it is a 16-hour, you know, it is a is a big investment. Yeah. Emotionally <laughs> and, and time-wise as well, so. Yeah, and they, you know, like, condense it in a way that um, it minimizes all of the, like, miscommunication and, it's like, all the sweet, loving parts. (laughs) Yeah, I think I watch actually even shorter ones. And I love, like, you know, the very deadpan male narration of those, you know, Uh. where he describes everything. I don't know. They're they're just funny to me. (laughs) Yeah, the voice, the voiceover is really funny. It it goes like, he says it in a very, like, matter-of-fact way. And then there's all these, like, over-the-top images (laughs) that they're talking over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um... So um, are there any projects that you're working on or future plans that you'd like to share? Um, My biggest future plan right now is that I'm actually going to grad school for poetry, writing my own poems. Um, So I'm actually moving back to the U.S. in these unprecedented times. Uh, Feels like a very questionable life (laughs) move, but that's, um, that's something that I'm working on my own writing. And um, a really big project that I'm working on right now is with a Korean publisher called Ita. And I'm collaborating with them on a massive poetry anthology. And it's called Ravel Unravel, um, an anthology of Korean contemporary poetry. It features 12 Korean poets and it's being translated into English, uh, German, French, and Japanese, and it will be published um, later next year uh, simultaneously. So there will be five versions um, of the same book, and I don't think I've seen anything quite like it before, so it's very exciting to be part of such a big project. And you mentioned, actually, they chose your translation (laughs) for the title, yeah, yeah. It's a really big honor. <laughs> um, it's based on the Korean onomatopoeic word, chujur, which can be um, translated in many different contexts. You know, you can cry in a in chujur, or, you know, you can, like, people can be lined up chujur, or, you know, different contexts. But in the specific context of the poem where that word comes out of, it's about like a wool of thread um, in a sweater and the sweater is kind of being undone. And I thought um, a clever way to translate that and that sense of, you know, you know, like that kind of motion would be to um, translate it as ravel, unravel. And in in my translation process, I learned that ravel and unravel actually mean the same thing, which mm-hmm. is weird because, you know, unravel you would think is the opposite of ravel, but it's the same. So I thought that was a, just like a fun linguistic quirk. So I, yeah, um, suggested ravel, unravel, and then it became the title of the anthology. 
So yes. Yeah, that's really cool, and we really look forward to when it comes out. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I just want to say thank you so much for coming in today and sharing us, uh, sharing with us your experiences and your journey to translation. Uh, we really enjoyed this chat with you. Um, and for readers and watchers, you can find all of the links about the cool projects that's mentioned <laughs> in the YouTube description and how to get in touch with Soje. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Catch you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>